Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. This is episode number 65, recorded on February 20th, 2024. Mark Saltzman has been writing about consumer technology for at least 30 years. He'll be our guest to talk about one of today's hottest product categories. But first, it's the return of CEO Grant Furlane and his special brand of tech news. All right, Grant, let's do some news. What have you got for us this time around? Uh, some fun stuff. Um, are you aware or did you know that there? we know about, of course, SpaceX? Yes. And we know all about... Um, Virgin and all that. But have you ever heard of Space Perspective? No, that is a new one on me. Okay, so they're coming out with the Neptune capsule. Uh huh. And picture this capsule. It's like a mini top of the CN Tower. Uh, okay, sure. So like a little capsule spaceship, round. Um, the round outside is all glass. So picture it's got a top and a bottom. In the middle, it's all glass surround. Okay. Okay. Sounds uh, sounds scenic. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically what it's going to be is it's going to be a tourist spacecraft, swankier than your favorite cocktail lounge, as they say. And <laughs> it's already done. Okay. Yeah. Its first flight will carry loads of stuff, not people. Okay. Uh, they're still working on, but it's going to k- take off very soon. And it will go up to the to space, right to the top of uh, our atmosphere to reach space, and it'll be that's how it'll be tested. And essentially, it's um, it's a lounge. It will be a lounge. It'll be sixteen feet. Uh, sixteen feet. Um, the concept one is sixteen feet in diameter, so it's not. Okay, a huge wait, 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 wait. So, our, our, this is a space tourism capsule. Is that what we're talking? Yeah, it's a capsule, yeah. It's going to take off, go straight up, and it's going to carry people, right, mm-hmm. around so they can see space. Okay, so it's it's kind of like Blue Origin in the sense that it it, it'll do a 100-kilometer a high parabolic orbit, yes. get a chance to be weightless for a little bit, and uh, we'll come yeah. back home. How much? How much for a ride? Well, that ha- I'll tell you that in a minute. So... But the difference between that is picture this being round and having all these windows and being like a lounge, okay. not a spaceship. Okay. Okay. So I want you to understand that. Okay. That's much different. And um, like I said, they're going to test anytime now, which I think is pretty cool. Like I think that this will be a big thing. Okay. Um, and it plans for its first um, – Lift at Cape Canaveral, of course, like everywhere else. Um, and when you said how much it is, they already have it booked. I think they've sold about 1,600 seats for $200 million so far. Okay, wait a second. So 16, yeah. 16 seats. 100 seats. Oh, wait. This, $200 million. Wait, I'm, okay. Yep. So what's the capacity of the capsule? Did you say 16? In this one. It may grow. Wow. But 16 seats, 200 million. It's called Space Perspective. 
Um, it's pretty exciting. It's a big deal. Like everyone's pretty excited about this. Now, now, if I had that kind of cash, I, I would definitely do it. I, I, I wouldn't even think twice. Oh, no, think of, yeah. Now think of the future, though. These little round capsules flying around, round capsules like lounges. I don't know. Everything's coming to reality. I just always have to go back to what I say. If you ever get a chance to look at the interior of the projecting care, it's like it's like beautiful seats. Recaro-type uh, Porsche seats with lounge holders, drink holders, and um, it's pretty cool. See, this and, um, when I was growing up, when you were growing up, right? And we, yeah. we were old enough to remember the Apollo program and how Absolutely. there was all this uh, progress with the space race in the 1960s and the very early 1970s. And we, yeah. had, we had movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey and Silent Running and a, and a bunch of others. You know, this sort of stuff, had we continued at that pace, we would have been doing this back in the 1980s. It's just... Oh, I think I think just technology got us there here now. I think that that's where the ideas come from. I'm, you know, they're always visionary ideas that come to fruition. I'm just, uh, I'm just upset that it's about 50 years late. I know, I know. Well, that's uh, still cool. It is cool. And, um, and I think... It just think, okay, I'm gonna book a f- tour on this thing. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's just getting in a getting in a in a a, a jet or a rocket ship and going up and coming down. It's not the same as this. This is cool. This I, I agree. <laughs> okay, so we talked enough. Time. Not and I, by the way, I think that this will spawn all kinds of competition, um, and we're gonna see a lot of this in the future, which is very is fantastic for me. Other people say, what a waste of time, you know? We got enough problems on Earth, you know what I mean? Where I love seeing stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, I've um, never I've never had any time for that argument saying that, you know, we should solve our problems on Earth before we go anywhere yeah. else. Well, we are. Well, we are. We're finding another planet. <laughs> the, whole, the whole idea is that this sort of technology, these sorts of initiatives, spin off all kinds of beneficial technology. Absolutely. Yeah, you're with yeah. me. Yeah, and a lot of people don't get no. that. I, I hate those negative comments. You know, solve hunger. Well, we may have to be somewhere else to solve that. So, you there know. You go. <laughs> so, Next story. Okay, the second one we've touched base on many times, and I still I want to talk about it because I think it has so much influence to all of our world in the future. And that is, of course, Sora. Oh, God, uh, yeah. So, so I know we'll talk about Sora a lot, and it may be on one of our next podcasts and all that. But um, Sora is kind of taking the world by storm. OpenAI is trying to get a step up on everybody because everyone keeps coming up with their own chat GPT. And so they took a step further now and said, look, we can develop an actual Film, short film, you know, two minutes, mm-hmm. by typing in a sentence. And the characters are produced. The movie itself, it's so nice. It's so professional. Um, and I watched the unveiling of Sora, and all they did is give it a command. Um, I'm walking down the street in this crazy area and scared, and all of a sudden the film's done. And, um, wow, I don't even know what to say. I mean, taking the next step of saying of a command of a sentence 
whether you type it or say it, from human speech, all of a sudden you've generated a short film. This is exactly what the writers and actors were talking about last spring during the SAG after strike. They are so worried uh, uh, that they're they won't be needed anymore. Well, um, I think they won't be, Alan. Yeah, this is. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say other than it's here. Um, artificial intelligence will 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 do it all. There will be no recuts. Now, in saying that, right now, what's happening is I'll say. Do an underwater world of whales and fish and uh, guys swimming through it. It'll do it. But guess what? Sometimes it does a bunch of birds flying around with eagles. Right, right. So, I mean, it's very early stage. But Sora, you're not going to be tougher to beat in doing it. It is, like, think of it it is moving so, so fast. Yeah. When I saw some of those Sora videos. I, 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 I just couldn't believe it because they were so realistic. Um, the resolution was so fantastic. Uh, it, it was just mind blowing. Yeah, it does. If someone's kind of like all the same problems of what's going to happen with hate speech, hallucinations and all that. Well, you know what? Like anything else. Right. And then the intellectual property problems. Yeah, I get it. I'm not here to talk about the problems. I just heard talk about how incredible the technology is. I'm not suggesting we're going to solve all the issues or lawsuits and all that, but it's incredible, and we better be aware of it because think of that in the world of the commercial world of business. It is coming. We just need to be prepared for it best we can. Yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. One more. Uh, yeah, and so um, this one here is kind of interesting, not not because of uh, what they're announcing, but because where they're going. So in Britain. Um, they have this, the March rules change in March, um, and that everyone has to register their plate. Okay. There's no more. You must register your plate. It must be reflective, blah, 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 blah. And the reason for that is everything's going plate. I.e., you don't, you know, if we, if you don't have an EV registered, you're paying more. If you don't have this, you're paying more. Everything you do is going to be regulated by that plate. And we know it's coming everywhere else. So their way of doing it is they're saying, we're not waiting for it to change. In March, you must register your plates, and they must be reflective. If you scratch them, you will be fine. And you will not be fined, maybe. It's all automated. So now, these, so they're, I mean, I'm going to tell you, 15, 20% of Britain doesn't even know what the heck's going on. No, I bet. <laughs> they didn't read anything. They don't know why they're doing it. But the point being in all this, think of it. You're going to drive down the road. It's going to say, wait a minute. By 2034, you had to have an EV. You don't. 10 grand fine. Um, you have this on your car. $2,000 fine. You didn't do this. Oh, speeding. Oh. Oh, too loud. Um, they have, as you know, they're going to charge for congestion. Yeah. They're going to decide where you can go and when. Um, but the fact is, when you really think of it, you don't have a choice. You can't say, I'm opting out. <laughs> where do I even begin with that? Um, yeah, and, and people don't even know the rules there. They don't even have to really know why they're doing it. 
And hold on, by the way, you may not even have insurance. So it'll read your plate and say, no, can't have insurance. Well, this is from the land where CCTV cameras are everywhere. So uh, it's yeah. just another step. Yeah, it's a big step because um, we knew it was coming. Um, and I get it. There's a safe side to this. I do get it. But I'm just telling you, it's it, it's when they start to do things somewhere, it always overrolls everywhere else. And I know where we are, Alan, it's already happening. Mm -hmm. It's happening, in, and we're in Canada, but it's happening in the United States. It's happening in Singapore. Um, it's already happened in China. And the whole world will be tracked by their plate until we find another thing to track. I first met Mark Salzman more than 30 years ago when he was reviewing video games for a living. These days, he's a consumer tech expert with podcasts, radio shows, and books to help us sort out our gadget dreams. He came into Locomobi World Headquarters to talk about a very hot product category, wearables. I know that wearables are supposedly the next big thing in tech, but I'm, I'm confused as to the definition of what a wearable technology device is. So can you give us a just like a basic sort of answer? Yeah, sure. So it is a broad category. But as the name suggests, a wearable is a piece of technology that you wear opposed to hold. So a smartphone or a tablet is something you hold. A wearable could be a smart watch on your wrist. It could be smart glasses on your eyes. It could be smart clothing that monitors your uh, health information or fitness information and relays that back in some capacity. But the idea is that you don't have to hold it. So it's supposed to be more convenient, um, blend better into your day-to-day -day life, if you will, um, and not have you tethered to that uh, rectangle that we all keep in our pocket or our purse. I'm trying, I'm struggling though. I mean, I find a cell phone, a mobile phone, a smartphone to be extremely uh, convenient and I'm wondering why I need to move beyond that. Or is it just me speaking as an old-fashioned dude? <laughs> Not at all. It makes sense. So, uh, you know, with a smart watch, for example, uh, you, you don't always want to have to hold your phone, right? You could be driving, you could be walking down the street, and you shouldn't be looking at your phone, but looking ahead of you. So the idea is that you'll feel vibrations on your wrist, for example, when it's time to turn left at the next in intersection or right, you know, if you're following information. You don't have to look at it. You can feel it or hear it with the pair of earbuds, which is technically also a wearable, by the way. Um, or with a, you know, with smart clothing, a, a phone can't very easily measure or monitor your health and fitness levels or your sleep. But if you've got something on your body, then it's doing it for you. And then similarly, smart eyeglasses or smart augmented reality goggles will add information, digital information superimpose onto the real world around you. So you're, again, just to stick with that same analogy or, or anecdote, you're walking down the street, I run into Alan Cross. I know, you're, I know your face, but your name escapes me. If I'm wearing smart glasses, when I look at you, it will tell me in the top corner of, of my glasses, uh, Alan Cross, you know, musicologist, author, broadcaster, <laughs> all that kind of, kind of like Terminator when he looks around and he gets information. Uh, no, <laughs> Sound familiar, Alan? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. First of all, two things. Number one, yes, Terminator yep. vision. And and secondly, Grant, do you want to talk about the glasses that you're working on right now? Well, I think what I'm going to do differently is, as you know, I've been working on wearables before most people knew what they were uh, with a Google Glass. And uh, uh, as you know, you wear a hat, Alan. You were the hat. 
that is mm-hmm. you wear around your neck, um, which is a wearable. So sometimes you wear wearables because you can't carry them. Like you got to be around your neck, near your brain, around your arm. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, I think I think wearable thing. When you said, Alan, I uh, I love my phone. Well, Alan, I hate my phone. If I could just get rid of that thing once and for all, I lose it ten times a day. Uh, but I think even if you love your phone, um, if you're selling B to B, it's much different than selling B to C. So if you're selling wearable devices to a business unit that wants them for wearing like cops or respond, any type of responder, someone that's always out working, doing things, the phone becomes um, probably a, a bigger block for, for what you want to use it for. And so you want to go to something where you don't have to do that. You're doing so many things. It makes you more efficient. makes you better. Um, but if you're just using it for pleasure, I guess a phone's okay. Okay, let's let's hang on to that for just a second. Marcus brought us a selection of wearables. Let's just go through them. And these are all business-to-consumer devices, right, Mark? Yeah, that's right. These are just for regular folks that uh, – Want to have something, we'll start off with smartwatches as an example. And you brought up a good point, by the way, Grant, uh, fall detection for for seniors. You know, there's a huge trend. We call it collectively aging in place. How do you live longer independently at home without uh, any full-time help or even part-time help? And a a wearable, whether it's a pendant around your neck or a smartwatch, can detect a fall and ask you if you're okay. And if you say you're not or you don't answer at all, they will dispatch emergency services. In Canada, TELUS has these wearable pendants uh, designed for for teenagers as well, like girls who are, let's say, walking home from college and university, and they, you know, they're walking to their dorm and they find themselves in a, in an uncomfortable situation. They just press and hold the back of the pendant. So there's something that you wear; it's always on you. You don't have to think about it. Or as you even hinted at, uh, Grant, that um, police officers will wear a wearable body cam to document what they're seeing or a first responder. So there's lots of applications. So Alan, yeah, what I brought uh, here is uh, a few smart watches to start. The most popular would be the Apple Watch. Uh, there are a few in that yes. family. Grant, do you have an Apple Watch or are you something else? Um, okay, so since you brought it up, up until two days ago, I had a Pixel Watch until I dove into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And lost it. So there's a fish <laughs> moving around with a real cool watch right now. But no, I had a Pixel watch because you know, <laughs> Alan, I test everything. So I've had Apple. My yeah. wife has Apple. There's no doubt, um, as Mark says, Apple has set the precedent in the world of smartwatch. But it's kind of funny. Tim Cook was quoted last year saying, Apple will not make a phone by 2030. Well, that's what he said. I'm not saying he's right. I wouldn't go that far. I'll be honest. You know, I, as a technologist, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's still going to be a need for a, a phone. The The market has kind of reached, you know, it's, I think it's, uh, it's a little saturated. People aren't upgrading as fast. And I don't know how many more people on the planet are going to get a phone that yeah. don't already have one. It's more about digging deeper than wider um, or broader. But yeah, no, I think Apple, yeah, definitely, you know, and, and there's rumors of uh, um, blood pressure monitor coming next. So they're really amping up their health game. They had to remove the blood oxygen sensor in the in the U.S. As well, wait, you know. wait, hang on. Just go back to the blood ox thing, right? The pulse right. ox thing. It was was that a result of a lawsuit? Yeah. So there's a patent dispute with Massimo, a company that makes medical devices that claims Apple knowingly took this technology and and also pilfered some of their employees 
in order to put this into the latest uh, Apple Watch family. Um, but so until they can find a workaround, they're just uh, selling them without that feature going forward. That's only in the US, by the way, until they iron this out. Maybe they'll pay a licensing fee. Maybe they'll find a comparable technology that doesn't violate any patents. But uh, they're not the only player. Look, Pixel and, and Samsung Galaxy Watch are great, especially if you have an Android. iPhone is designed more for those who have an iPhone. They're, they're making it so you don't need one really anymore, but it really works best with iPhone. And then there are ones like I'm wearing, which you won't find so easily because it's Huawei. I love the Huawei. It's a, it's a, brand, a Chinese brand. But I'm wearing, I'm wearing one called Watch Buds that has earbuds yeah. inside of the smartwatch that charges them up when you're not wearing them. Come on, that's pretty cool, so Alan. So you can see that right here. It's pretty neat, right? So you put them back, there's a little magnet. Yeah, so these are these tiny little earbuds. Okay, so they're the, the, uh, they don't look like cigarettes hanging out of your face? No, they're not white. They're not long. Uh, they're these little black earbuds that have AI, by the way. When you put them in your ears, they will automatically recalibrate to left and right stereo for you because oh. they are identical. So you, it doesn't know when you put them in if it's your right or left ear until it figures it out through sensors, and then it, it tells you, and it calibrates. And then when you're done with them, they go right back inside the watch, close the watch face, and they charge up, which is great, because there's that built-in battery. And you gotta, but you still got to charge the phone, Mark. So, I mean, yeah, you are charged. Yeah, but yeah. it lasts two days. It's better than uh, Apple Watch. It lasts How two days. How long it and, last, and, Mark? Hey, look. Two days? Shame. That's really Two good. days for the Alex. Huawei Watch, for sure. Yeah. Look, uh, shameless plug, I wrote the book, Apple Watch for Dummies. So I am a fan, but... Uh, you know, and Huawei is not for everybody. There's some political underlying issues here, if you can even get it in your country. But um, the, the point is that there's lots of options out there. Okay, so we've got the Apple Watch that everybody is, knows about. We've got um, the Pixel Watch. Uh, Fitbit has a watch. Well, Fitbit's owned by, by uh, Google now, and, and it's all it's all as one soon. Okay. Yeah, so they all pretty much do the same thing. They serve as a handy companion to your phone. So if you get a text or an email or a social media post, someone likes your Instagram video, you're going to be notified on your watch. Some of them let you take a call through the watch until you can get to your phone. Some give you directions. Some, of course, let you change watch faces. They monitor your fitness and your sleep and your health markers. Something wrong with your heart, your heart rate is going fast. You've got, uh, you know, uh, an arrhythmia, some sort of irregular heart rhythm. That's kind of neat to have your watch be able to detect that. And, and that's kind of just sort of table stakes now. All these kind of watches uh, kind of do, do the same thing. I think uh, blood pressure is going to be a big deal for that because uh, that's, you know, hypertension is such a big problem with so many people. And the ability to have an alert saying when your blood pressure reaches the de- uh, the danger zone without having to sit down and put a cuff on your arm is a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I hope the rumors are true that uh, by next year we'll have the, whether it's Apple Watch 10 or 11, that they'll, it'll have that integrated. That will certainly augment all the other health uh, markers that it monitors. All right. Is there, is there anything else that we need to talk about when it comes to smartwatches? Because that's probably the, the most familiar of all the wearables that we have right now. Yeah, I just think, you know, competition is great for the consumer. So just expect uh, falling prices, uh, new features being added. The market is still relatively young. And um, yeah, no, just uh, definitely there's a lot of choice out there. So find one that uh, suits your needs and it serves as a good companion to your smartphone. Uh, but don't forget, you can often pay, uh, you know, like 10 bucks a month to your mobile phone provider and, and be able to leave the home without your phone and still get calls and texts on your watch or stream music. Yeah, I had that on my Google. I had that on my Pixel. You didn't need your phone. Yeah, which is good. But I don't know anybody that doesn't have, unless you're a, a runner, 
and you're you're going for a run or a jog, everybody always has their phone with you. So why spend 120 bucks a year if you don't need to? But if if that does sound appealing to you to leave your home without your phone, then uh, yeah, then you might want to uh, bite the bullet if your phone does support uh, LTE. I I left the my house this morning to take the dog to daycare, and I didn't have my phone, and I had that 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 sinking feeling in my stomach. It's I might as well have left, you know. Anxiety. Oh yeah, I might as well have left my 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 wallet at home or something because I was so anxious. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next category of of wearables. I brought a couple of uh, smart glasses, um, as well as smart uh, goggles, let's call them. The, the MetaQuest 3, which came out uh, about six months ago, or a little bit less than that, actually. So it fuses virtual reality with augmented reality. This is something that you should not walk around the city with. Same with the new Apple Vision Pro headset, the $3,500 US to start uh, mixed reality goggles. Again, we're seeing videos of people walking around town or eating at a restaurant with them on. You look like a tool. <laughs> so just wear it at home and enjoy all the things that it brings. Yeah. But um, I brought two much smaller eyeglasses. They are meant to be worn. Yeah. Uh, one of them is uh, part of the Ray-Ban family with Meta. Speaking of Meta, which, you know, formerly Facebook. So these are smart glasses in the sense that you can use your voice to control it with an Alexa-like you know, wake up call or Siri or Google Assistant and and ask it to take a picture or shoot a video. There's different styles to choose from, whether you have prescription glasses, uh, they're regular eyeglasses, or I brought with me here sunglasses. This is the Ray-Ban Stories uh, Way, Wayfair one, I think. So lots of options. Yeah, they look like regular Ray-Bans. They don't look like you're wearing something goofy on your face. Right. And that's what I like about them is that they are, for all intents and purposes, just regular uh, Ray-Bans, slightly thicker on the frame. Uh, and that's because it's got a built-in camera and camcorder kind of thing. And the quality is surprisingly good. When you play it back in the app, so it's got a companion app that you tether it to, uh, the, the battery life and the video quality is surprisingly good. And, and I've got some friends who are not into tech at all. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Ryan, who's a lawyer, I just saw him on Friday night, uh, Saturday night, and he was wearing a pair of the eyeglasses version with prescription lenses. And he had them and he was shooting video of all of us, you know, cheersing and, and having a good time with some friends. And he played it back later. And it's even in relatively low light um, conditions. It's pretty, pretty good. So if you're on the fence, I, I'd say it's still a bit early, but if you're interested in a pair of smart glasses, uh, some of them are meant to, in this case, capture what you're doing. You're surfing, you're, I don't know, you're rollerblading. You can capture your good times uh, and then play it back later. Others are more to get information. So I brought, these are uh, just coming out in the US right now. They're called Lucid. And these are chat GPT enabled glasses. And once again, you can get regular see-through uh, lenses or prescription lenses, or I've got here a pair of sunglasses. Some uh, will convert from uh, sunglasses to eyeglasses. And this is smart eyewear in the sense that it'll, uh, through Bluetooth 5.2, it'll uh, wirelessly talk to the Lucid app. And Lucid is spelled L-U-C-Y-D. And it's got built-in chat GPT. So you're getting information on the fly when you ask for it verbally, you know, or you can press a button on the side. But the idea is that you've got a personal assistant, a smart assistant, uh, hands-free while you're walking around, um, just so you don't have to pull out your phone and do the same thing with Google or Siri or Alexa. So these are these are pretty cool. You can see them. I think the design's pretty neat. Yeah. I like them. Um, 
they have come a long way. So I, as you know, I started working on smart glasses in 2009. Came out with our first version about 2014. And then the, you know, the second version about a year and a half ago. And the ones that, um, that um, Mark are talking about, the commercial versions for the everyday person, they're perfect because they're not $2,000 like the ones we were making, but ours are much different in that we did all the things you did. As you know, Alan, they might be in the office now, um, but we had to have real-time video. We had to have real-time interaction, searching of databases, because we were developing it for the real world, for the B2B world. And we knew it was- And battery life is, battery life, sorry to cut you off, Grant, battery life is the Achilles heel of wearable tech. Yep. Agreed. Because we're you're dealing with such small components, and and it's something that you do not want to have a battery on you to power. That's one of the issues with Apple Vision Pro. You know, despite its thirty five hundred dollar headset and impressive performance with like a thousand patents tied to this thing, I don't know if any of you have tried it. It's mind blowing. But you're a lot of people don't know that you have to wear a little battery pack. Yeah, and, and everything just too heavy, too cumbersome, but the coolest. But we all know that's going to decrease in size. Um, yeah. Over time, I like yeah. it. I think it's really important, not just for uh, uh, the the casual um, uh, patron, but I mean medical. Well, there's tons of applications for it, without question. It's just early days, right? Um, but for one tenth the price, you can get the <laughs> Meta Quest Three, which has the battery built in, really good performance. The, the again, the Meta Quest Two is mostly VR. There was a couple of little pass through things you can do, but not impressive. It was black and white and grainy. But now you're getting full color, 4K pass-through. So like one of the games you can play, for example, and it's not just about entertainment, but one of the games you can play that is free to download from the uh, Meta Store is, you know, turns your family room or wh- whatever environment you're sitting in into like sort of a battlefield where aliens are like hiding behind your couch and breaking through your walls. Uh, again, it's fusing your real-world environment with sure. uh, digital content. So it's really entertaining and they do a great job without, you know, breaking the bank. I mean, look, they're still 600 Canadian, uh, about 400 and change US. I think, I think they changed the world of entertainment. And I think when we talk smart city, do I go to a movie or a concert? Do I watch it on my glasses? It's become more and more incredibly efficient. It's going to happen. Yeah, I, I can see me using one of these things on a long-haul airline flight. You know, oh, that'd be cool. So, yeah, it, it, yeah simulates like a 200-inch screen. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, that's an exciting one. So let's just go to the Apple Vision Pros for a second. Did you get a headache using them? I did not, but I only used it for about 40 minutes. Um, I will be <laughs> – I didn't want to leverage this podcast to plug a book, but I am also going to be writing Apple Vision Pro for dummies. So I will be getting oh, uh, one to keep. <laughs> Thank you guys for the shameless uh, second oh, plugs. But no, the no the idea is like, I, I mean, I tried it last year at the Worldwide De- Developers Conference. It was a hands-on demo yeah. in a room with some Apple employees that let me uh, go through a lot of its key features. But that was it. Um, I read some of the reviews that it, now that it is out, and a lot of people are saying it's just way too heavy and people are returning them. Uh, I, I didn't find them heavy, but I didn't like having a battery pack it's like on a wire. It's about the size. The, the, the battery is maybe a bit bigger than an iPhone. I, I don't like that. I know I'm not going to wear it outside. So, I mean, I can live with it for a first-gen well, product. The old version gave you, uh, after a while, neck soreness. Um, 
and I haven't tried the new one. So the old days, only three years ago, you wore them for an hour and a half and your neck was gone. It was just shocking. Are you, are you referring to MetaQuest? Yeah. The yeah, oh, okay. I thought because Apple's only been out for a yeah. couple of weeks, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, I didn't find that. I mean, look, everything in moderation. Yeah. You shouldn't be on your phone for more than you know a couple of minutes because you can get like texting neck or whatever they call it, right? <laughs> so, like, you know, we have to be careful. Or on a computer, you don't want repetitive stress injuries like carpal tunnel syndrome, right? By pushing a mouse for eight hours a day, if you can help it. I'm a fan, by the way, of that 20-20-20 rule that uh, every 20 minutes when you're in front of your computer, look 20 feet away for 20 seconds. It's a good and that will help you out. Good advice. And what's that supposed to do? Is it just supposed to recalibrate your brain? Yep, that's exactly it. Right, you you, you get so involved, and, and I'm, we, we're all guilty of this. You get so into your work, and you're just staring at this small text on a screen that's illuminated, without you know the blue filter and all that, and it's just not good. It's not good for headaches and for neck strain and eye strain and you know uh, other physical ailments tied to repetitive uh, movements or not moving <laughs> your body as a whole too, right? You can't win. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of moderation as much as I've been covering tech as an evangelist for 30 years. I'm the first to admit that it could, like anything, it could be used or abused, right? You got to... Yep. What else did you bring? I just brought the new Samsung S24, which isn't a wearable, but I was going to demo the uh, circle to search Google feature. What? Wait, what, what is this? Is it a phone? Yeah, it's the new phone that has this feature that lets you, whatever the camera sees, you can um, circle or, or whatever you're looking at on the phone. Oh, but, isn't that, but that's the same as Google, right? It is, but it's more convenient now because you just have to circle with your finger or a stylus yeah. pen, whatever you're looking at online or whatever the camera lens is looking at, and then it immediately does a reverse uh, image search for you. You know, Mark, lens does that now too. With your Yeah, so I know they added it to Pixel as well. Yeah. That's only on Pixel and Samsung, though. Correct. Correct. Wait, wait. You you guys you guys have roared way ahead of me. So I've got I've got my, one of these phones, and I do I capture something? I, I capture a picture, right? Yeah. So look, this isn't a wearable, but why don't we end off on this fun feature that I don't think enough people know about or appreciate, and it's simply called Circle to Search by Google. Yeah, I think I think it's a good tech. I think it's a good tech. Okay. So it's available on Samsung Galaxy S24 devices and the Pixel 8. And uh, this is the ability to instantly do a reverse image search online to see information about what you're looking at. So whether you're standing in line at Starbucks and you like the sneakers that are worn by the dude in front of you, you just point your camera down. You don't have to take a picture of it. Just as long as the phone sees it through the lens, you circle what your phone sees with your finger or, or stylus pen, and it'll immediately on the bottom half of the screen show you relevant information like what are those shoes and can you order those running and shoes? It'll give you all the sites you can buy them from, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Or if you're online or you're watching Netflix on your phone, you just and you see something you like, circle it. You just press and hold the home button, by the way, and then you circle whatever you're looking at. And it'll immediately tell you what it is online. So I just think it's super convenient. I mean, it's not earth shattering. There, there have been the image, you know, Google, uh, Google image search before, but it was a little cumbersome. So tech is only as good as, you know, when it's it easy to, to use, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it has to be, you know, kiss, keep it simple. Okay, so I, I'm just going to throw in a fly into the ointment here. So I see a good looking woman. I, <laughs> I put her... <laughs> Do I know the truth? 
Alan? Yes. Let's see if it works. Okay, here. <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if it, <laughs> I know. If it gives me an, a reverse image shirt, search all of a sudden. Oh. So, <laughs> Depends who you are, Alan. It's a. Depends who you are. It says it's. So I just tried it oh. on me. Not that I'm a good-looking woman, but it says results for people are limited. Try searching a larger area. I guess oh, it didn't. Close, you know. Okay. I guess it doesn't want you to use it. See how your mind goes yeah, right away. It would search all the databases on. Obviously, go to Google's Google Engine and find you. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to block that out. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a, that would be a. <laughs> you know, I never even thought of using it for that. Look at that, Alan. It's more for products, I, I guess. How's it any different? How's it any different? But, but or or a le- or a, you know an iconic uh, building or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, as you know, and when you're talking about your lenses, remember that's not much different than what Jack Chap ET is doing and Bart. Mm-hmm. That you know, you you look at something now, you take a picture, it only tells you what it is. It'll write an article and do a movie for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a great way to end off. Grant is Google Gemini, formerly Bard. It can do some things that ChatGPT can't do. If uh, any of the listeners of your podcast listeners of your podcast haven't checked it out yet, so you can just go to gemini.google.com or download the app. And like ChatGPT, you've got a prompt that you would type something in, and I think it bests ChatGPT in a couple areas. First of all, I find it faster and more intelligent. But secondly, it could. Uh, it, it can leverage all the other Google services out there. So it'll link, for example, you ask, uh, you know, create an itinerary. I'm going to Amsterdam for three days. It'll link to YouTube videos that are relevant. Yeah. It'll put dots like little pins in Google Maps because it owns Google. It, it owns YouTube and Google Maps. It'll give you a summary in Gmail if you want because it's all the same company. So there's some added benefits the there. Yeah. And then the big one is that it'll do free image generation. So with ChatGPT, you have to pay... If you want to say, you know, create an image of uh, a Canadian on a beach holding a, a fancy drink. When you do that through Gemini, Google Gemini, it's completely free and it's royalty free. So you can use that gener- computer generated image on your website, for example. So definitely check it out. So what, one of the things I was thinking about, and I know this has is straying from our central topic of wearables, but if I'm a company like iStock, or Getty Images, or any yeah. of those other stock photo companies, stock video companies, stock music companies, I would be very, very worried because now I can create something for my website or whatever project that I'm doing without having to go to those sites and pay any kind of licensing. Mm-hmm. Or photographers who yeah. make their living yeah. by shooting for Getty or what right. have you. Look, I think there's still going to be a, a need there for in the short term. You know, if you're going to shoot celebrities on a red carpet, you, it's not going to computer generate a, a celebrity for you. But a generic image of people walking the beach, which you may use if you are, you know, a travel magazine and you want a generic image, whatever, you know, instead of hiring a photographer to shoot that or to license it. Yeah, I do think you're going to start seeing more cost-conscious uh, publications and, and other organizations leverage these AI tools because you can't really tell now that it's not real. Well, I think you get the, you also get the building mark to let the little business become bigger. So they can't afford the production that everyone else can. Not saying that people who build it don't deserve it. Yeah. The little guy, the smart guy down in the basement come up with some pretty cool things. Have you seen the, uh, the recent Sorrel videos? Crazy. 
so Sora is amazing stuff. Oh. So this is the same company as ChatGPT. This is OpenAI. Yeah. Sam, yeah. 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 So this is um, wild. It's text to video. So you can describe something using text and Sora will create a very realistic looking video for you in a few seconds. That, yeah, they initially uh, published a movie, movie shots. It was amazing. It's, it was so it's real. crazy. It's scary. It's scary, frankly. Yeah, but, it, but Alan, you, you brought a good point up. Um, you always bring up the point of what if, you know, the scary parts of jobs and taking over everything. You're right. But then I think that we've done this in everything we talk about and have my whole life. In the end, you got to do it. So I think people are far, far, far better off to be aware of it, get comfortable with it, so that if, in fact, it does happen, they have opportunity. You know, I, so I'm torn because I don't want to see anybody lose their job to technology. But oh, I, I, but I, I remember this fact. I think it's, I hope it's true. Uh, she was the head of uh, IBM's Watson department, the AI uh, AI division. She said, uh, and her name escapes Sandy me. Carter. I apologize. She said, Sandy for Carter. every job that automation replaces, and automation could be a robot, it could be AI, it could be a, an autonomous vehicle, like a self driving car. On average, this. This this technology will generate four to five net new jobs yeah. for every one yeah. it replaces. You know that right now, Mark, you can't get enough people in that their world. Yeah. And you're talking about Sandy Carter, who did start IBM. And by the way, she's on her second podcast. Oh, awesome. A friend of mine. Um, and they started Watson. I was part of the Watson project, as you remember, Alan. And um, they failed immensely. That's why she's left and went to um, – uh, went to, as you know, we had her on when she was also at uh, at Amazon, and then now she has her own startup. But because what happened is Am- uh, um, Watson was great, but so many people came in and just came in at a tenth of the price, and all of a sudden the value's not there. I don't have a super $10 billion computer. Um, but he's right. I mean, right now, right now, um, I was just saying this to my partners, saying, here's our problem guy. And our, we're doing some of our planning for future. I put down jobs. <laughs> yeah. I was worried. I can't get people. <laughs> my youngest, uh, my three kids are in university, and my youngest was studying computer science. And then he saw what ChatGPT Chat can do. Yeah, He's like, yeah, yeah. he goes, forget it. I'm going to do something else. Or he'll find a way to still be in that industry. Both. Just, Both, you know, yeah. just like me. I'm a, you know, I started off reviewing video games. Alan remembers in the early 90s. Jeez. I can't, I can't write a line of code, but I found another way to get in that industry, sure. which I was a, yeah. able to then parlay into other parts of tech. But you, if you want to get into a certain industry, don't limit yourself to a particular role. Uh, Cause it could be, you know, it could be, um, gone by the time you graduate so <laughs> uh, you know what that that may be the best advice of this whole thing well thanks mark this has uh, been really cool we're gonna have to have you back because this technology iterates so quickly that the 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 first gen the early adopter stuff that we're seeing right now is going to look like a steam engine <laughs> in six or 12 months yeah so uh, as much as I want to jump in and buy some of this stuff, like I really am interested in the Apple Vision Pro, but I don't want to carry around an ostomy bag with me in the form of a battery. So I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit, but please keep us informed about what's happening. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll bring you back with some more gadgets in the future. Thank you so much, guys. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. And that's all for episode number 65. Thanks to Mark Salzman for bringing in all those wonderful new toys. 
If you have any questions or comments, send them to feedback at thesmartcity.blog, especially if you have any comments on our analysis and any predictions that we may offer. Check out the website, thesmartcity.blog, for the entire archive of podcasts involving technology and the smart city. The Smart City Podcast, brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Technical production is by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant is Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time. Hold up. 